The U.S. men's national team roster is out, and there is plenty to talk about as we are less than a week away from another border war match. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, buddy? Nothing much, my man. We are, what are we, less than a week away from USA Mexico and le- and just days away from the big SBI show party in Phoenix. And uh, if you're going to be in Phoenix on Tuesday night, uh, you're going to want to be there. It's gonna, hopefully it's going to be a pretty good turnout. Uh, it's going to be a great game. It's shaping up to be an absolutely great mm-hmm. game with uh, not only the rivalry, not only Julian Green's debut, but also a chance for for, for quite a few guys to, to make their case and to strengthen their case for a place on the World Cup team. Yes, and uh, we'll talk about that all here in just a minute. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk MLS Week 4. We're going to talk about the Americans abroad. And as Ivis just said, Tuesday, April 1st, downtown Phoenix, we are going to throw an SBI party at Crescent Ballroom. I hope everyone is in town Oh, if you're in town, please come check out the party. Come say hi. Buy Ivis a Cosmopolitan. Buy me a Paps Blue Ribbon. And uh, we'll have a good time. Come on. You know you're going to have an apple teeny with an an umbrella in it. It's all good. (laughs) Are you going to give out giveaways at this party? I mean, we've got to Is is my presence enough for people to come? I mean, do we have to give gifts out? I don't know if I, I'm not making any promises because I I got I got to admit it's it's a pretty hectic week over uh, in SBI HQ uh, as we're dealing with a lot of things leading up well, World Cups uh, around the corner mm-hmm. I'm dealing with world pre World Cup planning and all that stuff so it, it might be a little tough to to get some things uh, together but I hopefully hopefully we'll be able to uh, provide some giveaways ha- have some some stuff for for listeners that make it out to the party. Uh, we'll try to do something. And uh, Ivis and I will do another show. And uh, when we do the Sunday night show, I will give a pregame a meal idea list to everyone who comes out to Phoenix. Because if you want Mexican food, I know. I mean, Ivis always gives me crap because, you know, what does some white guy from Scottsdale know about Mexican food? Trust me. I know all the good spots are in Phoenix. I'm already been, I've already been telling Ivis where we're going. So if you need some good places on where to eat food, I mean, that, that includes breakfast, lunch, dinner, and drunk you know, but drink, drink responsibly. But I'll let you know where the good places are. So, uh, Ivis, I told you, man, don't eat before you come out here because it's all we're gonna do. All right, we'll see. We'll see. It's uh, you're, you're setting the bar pretty high. So we'll, we'll uh, hopefully it works out. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a good time, just like we had a good time at MLS Cup. But mm-hmm. uh, back to business here. We got to talk about the U.S. national team and and the roster is out. And now we've got our. Now we know who's going to be in Phoenix, and we know who's not going to be in Phoenix. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, I mean, the roster, as you said, you're going to announce it on Wednesday. I guess when you, when you, when when you're going to announce the roster, I mean, really no surprises. You know, we kind of expected it one to be a domestic based because it's not on an international FIFA international date. Uh, we do have some guys called up for the Mexican league, but but overall, Ivis, I mean, I, I think you know, first immediate reaction to the roster was you know nothing too surprising, and and we expected most of these guys to be called up. Right, as far as people who were included in the team, I don't think there were uh, there were any real shocks there. Um, as far as people who were left out. There were a few slight surprises, a few players that I think people would have expected to be on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one on that list has to be Benny Fellhaber, who's who's off to a really good start for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, he had a really good season last year as well. So, you know, he, he got invited to the January camp. Uh, he looked pretty decent in the South Korea friendly in the, in the, in the minutes that he got. So you, you got the sense that he would have his chance. He would get his chance to get called in here uh, and really kind of compete and try to win another spot on a World Cup team. Obviously, he was part of the 2010 team. 
But uh, Jurgen Klinsmann made his decision, and he went with Luis Gill. He called in Luis Gill, the RSL midfielder, who's also off to a really good start to the season. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, when you look at these two guys, obviously Gill's a lot younger. If you're you're thinking about the future and you realize that at the end of the day, both of these guys are – are lower on the depth chart when you talk about the playmaker, the attacking midfield role in Klinsman's system. Clint Dempsey's your guy. Landon Donovan's your other option. So that that, that part's pretty full. So if, if you're going to go deeper on the depth chart, why not go with a younger guy? And, and, Gil, and Gil has gotten the nod, and he's earned that. For, for Fellhaber, it's a little, I would say, a little unfortunate. And and part of me wonders how much of this is, is Klinsman looking at how much he's played in the last few weeks. Obviously, Sporting Kansas City has had a full plate with the, with the CONCACAF Champions League, and they've started the season off uh, with a lot with a lot of games. So is it a case of Phil Haber being tired? Uh, you know, that's kind of a wishful thinking thing, but honestly, when you look at it, it's really going to be – it's a long shot, I'd say, at this point, yeah. for Phil Haber to make the team, and, and him not being called in for this game just adds to that belief. Well, I think also at the same time, I mean, Jurgen has shown kind of – a uh, little kind of thinking towards the future. I mean, this is far in advance, Ivis, but the 2018 World Cup. I mean, you look at the defense, you know, you, you, the youngest player besides DeAndre Yedlin is Omar Gonzalez at 25. You also have Luis Gill at 20 and Julian Green at 18. I mean, at the same time, as, as much as you want to prepare for the upcoming World Cup, I mean, as you said, Benny, Benny Felber, long shot, very crowded midfield. I think it's much more beneficial to get a young guy like Luis Gill, DeAndre Yedlin, into the mix. As far as other snubs go, uh, I mean, Jose Torres, Mike McGee, I mean, what did you think about those absences oh uh, well it's along the same lines uh, actually I, i'd say phil Haber has a better case than those two guys uh getting back to the young players thing it's not it's not just about 2018 i mean that's a long ways away you also have the olympics in 2016 yep. and qualifying for that and, and you have these three youngsters that you named um louis skill deandre yedlin julian green you'd like to think those are three big pieces uh, for that 2016 team. So from that standpoint, you can understand why he's doing that. Mm-hmm. As far as the other guys you mentioned, Mike McGee and, and, and um, Jose Torres, uh, with Torres, it's just a case of him. You know, he has never really fit in in, in Klinsman's system, and it's a real crowded midfield. He hasn't really stood out. He's really behind quite a few guys. You know, when you think about the system, the four, whether it's 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, he's, he's never really kind of fit. He's never been used even as a as a true defensive midfielder. Is that really his game? Is he is he having does he have enough attacking quality to play in a more advanced role? So it's kind of like tough to figure out where you plug him in. And and, and from that from that standpoint, he really hasn't uh, shown enough uh, in his opportunities. As far as Mike McGee goes, I mean, I've we've talked about this in the past. Uh, positionally, where do you play him in Klinsman's system? If you're playing a four three three, is he some? You're not going to play him up top as a target. Is he is he someone who can really play wide for you? Is he gonna does he have the pace? Uh, is he gonna get up and down? It's not really his thing. So he he's more he's more suited for a four four two. And obviously, as we know, Jurgen Klinsmann not a fan of the four four two. So mm-hmm. I think from that standpoint, McGee's just not quite a good fit. And and it's you know it's it is unfortunate, but at the same time, you know Klinsmann has to look at the, who fits well in his system. And there's just other options. There's just better options than McGee. Well, you talk about guys fitting well. I mean, you know, I guess Marisa Du gets called up. You, you, you spoke. I mean, you kind of elaborated a little bit more on what his call up meant. But I mean, there's a lot of guys in this in this call up. Ivis. I mean, there's a lot of guys who who look for sure going to Brazil. You know, obviously Michael Bradley. Uh, I mean, Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey. But there's a lot of guys. You know, Marisa Du, Eddie Johnson. I mean, this is a huge opportunity for them to impress Jurgen Klinsmann. Oh, no question. I mean, obviously, and Marisa Du, especially who is climbing his way back into the picture. The time that he spent at Stoke City, 
just kind of wasting away really hurt his chances. I mean, we're talking about a guy who hasn't played uh, for the team since that that win in Azteca. Uh, we're talking what 2012, uh, where, where he had a chance to start there. So actually, no, the 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 last time actually the last time was in Azteca the zero zero, uh, which was a year ago. And bef- and so he hasn't had he hasn't played much in a year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played at all in a year for the national team. Now he's back. And you have to say, of all the guys who who've moved over to, uh, to MLS from Europe, uh, he's really stood out the most. Mike, Michael Parkhurst is unwell, no, no doubt about it. Obviously, Mike, Michael Bradley is already crushing it, already looking like an MVP candidate. But Maurice Sudu, I think, has made the most of his move because he climbed out of obscurity at, at Stoke City, where the only time you saw Mo Adu was on his Instagram account. You didn't see him on the field. You didn't see him on the bench. You didn't know where he was. And if not for the Instagram, you kind of you, you wouldn't know anything about what was going on with him. Now he's at, now he's in Philly. He's established himself as a leader right off the bat. Is playing extremely well. Yep. Uh, looking like one of the best midfielders in the league, and he's reminding people that he can play. And and I've been saying it for so long. I said it before he even came back to MLS. Like if he came here, if he came to MLS, he would remind people because clearly people had forgotten how good he can be. And and I, I still I found it funny. When he came back, and everyone wanted to rip on the on the fact that he, you know, is he is he making DP money? Why is he why is he making more money than Kyle Beckerman? He's not even close to Kyle Beckerman. And I'm like, sorry guys, you guys are missing the boat. Maurice Sudu is quality is a quality player, mm-hmm. and he's showing and he's showing it. So we'll see what Klinsman does with all these pieces. Uh, you know, it, you figure he's going to go with Michael Bradley and Kyle Beckerman as his as his partnership in in the middle there but i think maurice is going to get his chance he's going to get his minutes and he's going to have an opportunity to show what he can do here's a thought that i was thinking about maurice do you know he can play center back ivis does he find a way to go to brazil as maybe the fourth center back well i did mention that in you know my, because uh, the midfield's crowded let's face right. it right i mean i Beckerman mentioned it. and jones and right. bradley i mean it's gonna be tough to crack that well i meant i mentioned that in my in my goal uh dot com reaction piece to the roster and that you know his versatility has to help him. It has to help him from that standpoint, especially when you think about the center back position. No one's running away with those positions. I mean, even I mean, I say even Clarence Goodson, you could you could question how strong a hold does he have on his spot. I mean, I think he'll make it, but that fourth center back spot is mm-hmm. up for grabs. Whether it's Michael Orozco, John Brooks, Oguchi Oyewu, even Tim Ream, uh, no one is no oh. one is is grabbed a hold of it. So Marisa do he had, the thing with Marisa do though he's not playing there. Klinsman obviously saw him there in the win against Mexico in Azteca, uh, and he looked good there. So, you know, from that standpoint, that has to be somewhere in Klinsman's mind, the fact that Maurice Adu has that versatility that none of those other guys, none of the, none of the other defensive midfield options have. Um, so maybe could he sneak in as the fourth center back? Mm-hmm. Possibly. But I wouldn't rule him out as a midfielder. I mean, things happen, whether it's an injury, whether it's him just playing well and beating somebody out. Uh, you know, there's not that many absolute, you know, dead solid locks uh, there that, that are there. I mean, I, you know, Kyle Beckman, you would like to think he's going to make it, but what happens? What what if uh, Maurice Du pushes him out? I mean, it's going to be an interesting test for a duo these coming weeks uh, for him to show what he can do, and it'd be great if John Hackworth threw him at center back for a game to, uh, just to see what he can do. I mean, I don't think that'll happen, but. <laughs> Uh, I think you he, know what? I think Klinsman would have to call him and go, "Hey, can you do me a favor for this upcoming?" Well, you game? know what's well. That's the funny thing because with Michael Parkhurst, the word is that apparently Greg Berhalter has agreed to give Parkhurst some games at right back at some point in the coming weeks. So I don't See, know. If I, was, Hack- I was thinking about Parkhurst because if Brad Evans is injured at the game, I mean Parkhurst has to be your guy at right back. I mean, come on, over DeAndre Yedlin, he has to start at right back over him. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I guess. I mean, he provides I, versatility too. I, I'm not taking anything away against Marisa Du, but it just so many of these guys could play different. No, positions. no. Listen, no. I'm sorry. Like, okay, I'm gonna have to say it again. Yes. Michael Parker is not playing central defense in the World Cup in this lifetime. He's not. He just. It's not for him. He is not gonna play center back in Brazil. Get it out of your head. Could he be a right back? Could he make the team? Absolutely. I think he can make the team because I think he can play right back or be a somewhat serviceable left back. He's a better left back than Edgar Castillo. So from that standpoint, Parker's – He'll be placed defense. I think that's the biggest thing right there. <laughs> I think, well, you, well, I'm not even – you know what? I'm going to leave Edgar Castillo alone. <laughs> I, I, I know we, we, we abuse him enough. But listen, Parker absolutely is in that picture. Um, but again, Marisa Du has leg- – like for me, Marisa Du is, is similar to Jeff Cameron – in that sense that his, he's so good technically, but he also physically has the attributes that he can play as a defensive midfielder. And he can also, you can plug him in at center back and you don't miss a beat. I mean, it's tough when you don't have the, the reps at the position, but at the same time, maybe you bring Marisa do to camp in May and maybe you realize, Hey, we have too many numbers. We have Beckerman, Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, Daniel Williams probably gets a call into that camp as well. So when you get all those, all those bodies in there, but then you're looking at the center back position and realize, like, man, we it, it, it's kind of slim pickets at center back. Maybe Klinsman makes that call, and maybe he says, hey, hey, Mo, we need you at center back. I'm pretty sure if it means a seat on the plane of Brazil, Marisa Du will play center back. Uh, the biggest thing, I have, it's not the biggest thing, but a lot of eyes will be on the young Julian Green, the 18-year-old forward from Bayern Munich who just filed his one-time switch, did get approved. Ivis, how many minutes does he play in this game? Because let's face it, not many people have seen this guy play, and I think everyone's going to be jonesing to see him play at least 30, 40 minutes in this game. I don't know about 40. I mean, I think realistically we're talking 20 to 30 minutes. I think that's a pretty fair cameo for him. Will he get like a 45-minute, like a half? That, that'd be tough. I mean, at the end of the day, you're still talking about Mexico. You're still talking about your rival you don't throw away a game against Mexico, even if it's a friendly, right? So from that standpoint, I think I think Green will get 15 to 30, 30 minutes tops. And that should be enough, right? I mean, if he gets 30 minutes, that'll be enough time for him to kind of show what he can do. He'll get some touches. He'll get a chance to go at the Mexican defense. And it'll be – it'll it's a first step, folks. Remember, he doesn't have to win the World Cup in his first cap. He, he just has to get out there, get comfortable, show a little bit of what he can do. You will see him again, obviously. He'll 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 have his chances in the May friendlies, I'm sure, if he's you know, if he's there, if he's healthy. So don't expect the world from the guy. And I can tell you right now, I already see it. I already see because look, <laughs> look, they're look, clearly there are skeptics uh, who who wonder why this kid is getting so much hype. Why is everyone going crazy about him? No one's seen him play. You know, it's that's all well and good, but it, I can tell you right now, if he struggles, there are gonna be people pouncing all over it. Uh, oh, look, see what I told you, he's not even that good. What's the, the, this, this hype was stupid. Well, they shouldn't. He's an 18-year-old kid. I right. Mean, people need to right. realize. He, I mean, he's 18. I mean, he turns right. 19 playing, in June. Right. He's never even played a first division game before. He's played. In, he's made a cameo in a Champions League. Yep. But beyond that, he's never played. He's played in fourth division Germany. So he has to adjust to the level. Right? No doubt about it. But it's a first step. So if he can get on the field – Show a few things, show off the speed, show off the technical ability. Because I can tell you what, if you have the technical ability, if you have that quality on the ball, that confidence, Mm -hmm. that pace, those things show whether you have the experience or not, whether you have, uh, you know, Bundesliga games under your belt or not, that stuff's going to show. Now, obviously, he needs work. He's still raw. But 
the quality, if it's if he's as good as we're hearing, is he's if he's as good as people are saying, it'll show. It'll show in even in 15, 20 minutes. I, I hope people just take it easy. It's just I find it so funny when when, when you know we want to crown someone when he disappoints us. You know, it's like it's like so many fans feel feel betrayed. I mean. I think you're right. I, I just want to see his touch. I, I just want to see smart runs from him. I, I want to see him being active out there. Uh, and Ivis, I mean, let's face it. I mean, it's not like the whole forward situations in lockdown outside of uh, Josie Altidore and Aaron Johansson. I mean, Eddie Johnson needs a strong performance. Uh, Terrence Boyd, I, I don't think he's a solid set for Brazil. So, I mean, Julian Green, Ivis, look, this is a long shot, but he does have an outside chance to go to the World Cup, though. I think he has a decent chance because, again, again, you're looking at, uh, all right, we get forwards, midfielders, what do we call them in the system? He's going to be a wide player. 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, he's going to play wide. He's gonna, you're going to put him on the left, let him go at people. He might not be purely left-footed, but he's, he has a really good left foot. You can play him out there. That's what he's – that, for me, is what he's competing for. He's competing for a left-wing role in whether it's the 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. Who's, who's competing for that? You think about – Brad Evans, I mean, I'm sorry, Brad Davis and Breck Shea. We've talked about it before. Those are the guys he has to compete with. Um, and then once, if he can, if he can show he's a better option than those guys, then it's another step. And then, and then Klinsman has to make the decision: Do I bring him as, as an extra midfielder? Do I bring one less forward? Uh, I mean, as an extra winger, bring one less pure forward. Uh, that's going to be the big question for him. So this again, this is just the first step, folks. Let let him feel things out. Let let him make it. And 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 let's go the other way. If he scores a goal, oh, God. contain yourself, people. Don't freak out. Don't go on eBay and order yourself like you know Julian Green paraphernalia. Don't go nuts. You know what? It's a friendly. It's possible. It could happen. He could get a goal. No doubt about it. it, it it's entirely possible. But just temper your expectations one way or the, either way it goes. If he's great. Or if he struggles, it's just the first step. What if he scores two goals or even three? He's not going to score. Oh, Ivis, three goals, a hat trick. Oh, think about that. He's not going to score a hat. <laughs> Settle down. He might, you know what? He might get a goal. Uh, and if he, I can tell you right now, if he gets a goal, people are going to go insane. Yeah, Some people are going to go insane. But take it easy. It's a first step. And But you know what? If anything, I can tell you what. I don't know how much Julian Green will celebrate, but I get, if he scored a goal, I would love to see Jurgen Klinsmann's reaction because he might just. You know, I could. I, I'm picturing him moonwalking and then doing the worm, and, and then just fist pumping in the air. I, I, as if he, he would lose his mind. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, well, he does listen to this show, so I mean, maybe he will do that, right? <laughs> yeah, he's a co-producer. No, uh, no. I, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's just one other aspect of the game. It's yeah, not all about Julian Green. Remember, folks, it's USA Mexico. Oh, by the way, a little rivalry. And and again, this game matters. This game is it's just a, it's quote unquote just a friendly, but it matters even more this time. Not because of the uh, um, rivalry, not because Julian Green, but because both these teams need this game to figure some things out. Not only yep. about fringe guys making a World Cup team, but about guys who are supposed to start on the World Cup team. I mean, Matt Beasley and Omar Gonzalez. Let's be honest; they're not off to great starts to the MLS season. I don't think anyone could say. Oh, either one of them has been the one of the best center backs in the league to start the season, right? I mean, I think there's other guys who have been better than them. I think they've had their struggles. I mean, Matt Beaster gets beat by Matt Hedges on on the that equalizer. He obviously struggled in the Concacaf Champions League. Omar Gonzalez has had his kind of moments his, here and there. His distribution has been poor at the start of well, the Well, that's not a new thing. But I, I know it's not, guys, but it's been it's been very noticeable. Well, look, those 
<laughs> those guys still have something to prove. So this game's a great a great chance for them. And 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 again, remember, it was a year ago where those two were so outstanding in Azteca against the full Mexican team. Now they need to show that again. They need to show they need to remind people and remind Klinsman why they're the first choice center backs. And and for right now, they are the guys. They just uh it's not one shaky game is not gonna change that. I don't think it's gonna change that, but they need to start stepping it up uh, because if they don't, Klinsman's going to have to start looking at some other things. He's going to have to look mm-hmm. at Clarence Goodson there. He's going to have to look at maybe Marisa Do there. I don't think he's going to move Jeff Cameron out of right back, but you know what? Beasley and Gonzalez, as much as they had a hammerlock on the starting jobs uh, you know, in the fall, I think right now they, 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 need to, they need a game to show that they still are the top dogs. I think you're right. And I think we also need to see Clint Dempsey. Landon Donovan had good performances. Look, look, we, we can talk more about this. I no, just, we don't. As, Settle as, down. No, we, we don't. No, we no, don't. Not now. now. I'm talking like Sunday night when we do another show next week. We can talk more oh, about no, the Eastman's last next week. Don't, don't just throw in the Dempsey-Donovan stuff. Get, get that out of here. I'm <laughs> see, uh, no, hey, hey. I'm not alone. We could talk more about this next week. Just because, just because they're like panicky people who are all worried about Clint Dempsey doesn't mean that that's something that's a realistic fear. Like, get a grip, people. The guy is fine. He's off to a good start. When he's not tapping people in the nuts, he's good. He's doing his thing. He will be fine. And Landon Donovan, what's the what, what's this about Landon Donovan? He's fine. What, what's going on with Landon Donovan? He's I, fine. When was He'll the, be fine. When was, I can't remember the last time all three of these guys played together. I, I'm sorry. And, what, what, and, my, and, and Michael Bradley, too. Look, look, I, I'm just saying. What, what, I what was, do they, they forget saying, how to play? They forget no, how to play because they I, haven't played together? I'm just saying. What does that even mean? There's what does a, that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Here's what it means, Ivis. All three of these guys need to perform well together. It's it's not like why, why, why do they need to do it? Why do they need to do it? So 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 they can cement their status. I mean, look, nothing's guaranteed. Their status isn't cemented by now. Michael Bradley, Landon Donovan, Clint mm. Dempsey. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. No, you know why they need quote unquote need to have a, a, a yes. solid performance so people like you can calm down. <laughs> That's why. Not because of anything real, but because there's a lot of nervous ass people. Who are like, oh my God, we're gonna get destroyed in the World Cup. Clint Dempsey has. I have have never said that. I'm not uh, people like. I'm not saying you specifically, but there. That's the concern. It's like, wait, people are freaking out because Clint Dempsey's not scoring hat tricks in MLS. Landon Donovan's not not dropping three assists because Landon Donovan didn't destroy Club Tijuana. Those guys will be okay. They'll be fine. Can can you? Do you want to see those guys play well? Obviously, but they don't need to play well. That's high. That, that's that's get, get that. You know what? Get that out of here. Let, leave that for other people. Fake hype. No, oh, they need to do that. No, they don't need. They don't. There's other guys who need to do well. They aren't those guys. They're fine. Their res. Their their ability speaks for itself. They'll be okay. Man, clearly, I pinched a nerve with you tonight. You okay? Yeah, it's hilarious, yeah, 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 yeah. man. It's not a, what nerve. I, it's just I, I, I find it fun. And I, I'm glad you brought it up because there is a lot of that out there. There's a lot. Of, but you know what? Just because some people are a little panicky doesn't mean that that's actually the consensus. I mean, perfect example. Josie Altador, when I get, uh, the Josie Altador, Aaron Johansson dynamic. You got a lot of people freaking out about Josie Altador. And look, he's struggling. No one can deny that. He's not playing well. No one can deny that. Having said that, the guy's still the first choice center yep. back. Just because Aaron Johansson scoring goals in the Dutch league does not make him better than Josie Altador. Josie Altador scored 31 goals less than a year ago in the Dutch league. He didn't suddenly forget how to play. He was unstoppable in the hex. Did everyone forget that? He scored a hat trick in Bosnia last August. Did everyone forget that? So, you know, you almost, when you hear all this stuff and you hear all the, the panic and you hear all the, oh, Johansson's better, get Johansson. I, I agree Johansson should play. But all the Johansson is clearly better than Altidore stuff, 
it's just I do, I'm sorry. I think it's I think it's kind of I don't know. I think it's missing the mark. But then you know what? When I we put a poll up on SBI, uh, and we asked I, we asked the readers, who who who's who would you start out of the two guys? Seventy five percent. Actually, no. It was two thirds. It was sixty seven percent said Josie Altador, thirty three percent said Arnie Hanson. So oh, I, I I voted for Terrence Boyd in that poll. <laughs> Nobody voted. <laughs> Maybe like ten people voted. For it. But listen. <laughs> but the point of my the point that I'm making is. Most, I think, more people than not understand that, and so it's not this groundswell. Just because you get some people who are a little more vocal about it, who are all crazy about the new kid, and I like Aaron Johansson. I like him a lot. For me, I'd play them. I'd find a way to play them together. I'd, I'd go four four two. I'd put Johan. I put Johansson out tour together, and I'd play them together. But again, obviously, Klinsman does. He's he's and he's anti four four two. He only plays it in the second half. He doesn't start with it. He's he, he wants to make you know he's four three three four two three one all the way. So uh, you know I don't know. I, I would just tell people take it easy with what with all you know what this game means. These guys need to show. What does Michael Bradley need to show? Really? What does he need to show? The guy is quality. He's you know he's been killing it since he got to MLS. Landon Donovan did the Gold Cup not sh- remind people that he can still bring it at a high level? Clint Dempsey, yes, it'd be good if he played if he played a great game in the U.S. uniform. That would ease some concerns, no doubt about it. I agree. That would ease some concerns. So you know what? I'll give you that. Well, I, I did find it funny that Johansson. We'll, we'll talk about Americans, but Johansson did miss a PK, and everyone's oh, oh my gosh, he blah blah blah. It's he, the reaction he missed, sometimes. He actually is a missed two too, now. He's missed two PKs. I know, but everyone's Literally. like, it's it's. All right, look, we can talk more about this next week, Ivis. We we have to move on. And we can talk a lot more about the SBI party, which is at Crescent Ballroom on April 1st in downtown Phoenix. Uh, later next week, Ivis, we got we got to move on. For the sake of the show, we have to move on, which means we need to move on to the Americans Abroad front. Some bad news. Josh Gatt, Ivis, I mean, I wish we could go back two years ago when he was a up-and-coming young prospect. And now, man, it just seems he can't catch a break. Uh, his knee is injured again, has, has to get surgery. I mean, just unfortunate for this very young player who has shown a lot of promise. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely unfortunate. We don't – I mean, I haven't seen, like, the definitive word on his injury and whether he's absolutely going to have surgery again. But if he did tear his ACL again, that's a huge blow. I mean, we're talking about a promising young player who got to Europe as a teenager and really hit the ground running over there, and, and it looked like he could be that guy who climbs up – up the up the ladder in Europe from the smaller leagues to bigger leagues, but obviously he's hit he's hit a wall. He's had these multiple injuries now that that really set him back, and it's you know it, it's it's unfortunate. So at this point, uh, you kind of just have to put him on the side and let him recover and and hope he doesn't rush back. Because I mean that that's what happens in some of these instances with the knee injuries, especially ACLs. Is players rush back? They don't strengthen their knee enough. They're, they're in a hurry to get back. And, and then they re-injure themselves. It happens all the time. And that's what these players need to realize is like, you know, yes, we understand you want to get back on the field. But you have to, you know, put in the work. You have to rehab. You have to give your leg time to heal. Uh, and and now when you think – I mean, not not to say that Stuart Holden rushed back. But, uh, it, you know, it, it's just now between Holden and, 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 and Gad, it's just really sad stuff when you talk about two two guys who, who could really be helping right now. Really be helping the U.S. national team. I yeah I just man I, I mean I I've seen Gat play a few times live in person but you always see those highlight videos of him just taking players on with pace and the quality that he had in the final third it, it was 
kind of turned into a cult hero for a while. It, uh, hope, yeah, he, he, he was right. He, he was pretty raw. Like he, he was, fair, he was. But but and, he, and that league is not. That ex, you could definitely sense a little bit of excitement, though. I mean, you just you just saw the quality. I mean, his his patience, eh, his speed. You know, uh, yeah, he's you know raw. What, I agree, he's raw. But, but the you thing just, is, you saw promise. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But the league, look, the quality of that league wasn't the best. He did his thing. He's he had some attributes that the the the. the Tough part is you would like to have seen him have the chance to get better, to to climb up the ranks, to go to a bigger league, and just kind of make that gradual progression. He wasn't the finished product by any means. He was very raw. He got to Europe very raw and, and really uh, enjoyed quite a bit of success, uh, really just with his physical attributes of, of and his confidence, ability to go at people, his peers' speed. Uh, he was really a problem for people to deal with. So it's, it's unfortunate that he's had the setback. Hopefully he gets healthy again. And we're talking about him a year from now. Uh, Ivis also, uh, Josie Altador, uh, once again, no goals. Uh, I, I mean, is, is, is there good? I mean, I, I know you're saying that he's still starting in Brazil. I mean, look, Sunderland lost uh, to Liverpool 2-1. to one. Josie Altador scored in, I think, over 13 games now for Sunderland. I mean, is there a cause for concern anytime soon? I mean, what, what's, what, what's going on here? There's already concern. That's not a new thing. It's been concerned since... Uh... Since last year, right? I mean, this is not nothing has changed on the front. Uh, is it un- is it unsettling that he's not finding that? Sure, but I mean, you watch that game. Anyone who watched that game, I mean, it's a real microcosm of Sunderland, especially the first half, first sixty minutes. Uh, they just can't string passes together. They they struggle to generate offense. And uh, as much as look, you can say what you want about Altador and his issues and some of the things he doesn't do, but I mean, I don't know who's gonna what other target forwards. Uh, yeah, obviously, if you put Messi or, or, or Luis Suarez out there, I mean, they can create things on their own, run around, score goals. But he needs service, and he's not getting it there. Uh, it's unfortunate. But what I would say is, and, and I know people will say, oh, it's a little uh, too positive, wishful thinking, blah, blah, blah. Say what you want. The fact is he's still getting opportunities. He's earning starts on a team that's in the middle of a relegation fight. Mm-hmm. Now, Gus Poyet is still is still seeing enough in him to give him these opportunities. So clearly, at least Altidore is putting in the work in training to impress his manager enough to get on the field. So does he need to do better? Yes. But the people who crush him and ignore the fact that he's on a team that's just not generating chances, I I just think that's... I I don't know, man. Like, I... Well, I, I think people should have figured that out like by the third game of the season, just watching Sunderland. Play. Right. I mean, yeah, Sunderland. I mean, let's face it; they they can't. They're 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 they just suck in the final third. They they're suck in the middle third. What are you talking? They suck. suck they they, they don't even the have a. They don't you know, have they a. Just, they just suck everywhere. That that's that's the best way to put it. And I'm sure I pissed off all three Sunderland fans that listen to the show. Way to way to raise the bar on the uh, on the language front. Uh, but <laughs> look, anyway, uh, he, he, it, it is what it is. He's not look. Is Josie Altador playing amazing? Otherwise, like, is he like creating chances and doing amazing? No, he need he can do better. I'm not saying he can't. Uh, I know some people who try to say, oh, you know, you you're acting like you can't criticize Joe. No, you can criticize him if he plays poorly. Say it, point it out. He's had games where you could absolutely say, oh, man, he should have finished this chance. He should have finished that chance. He should have done better here. His touch was not – you can – I've said it. I mean, I've written it. The guy has had his struggles, no doubt about it. But when you watch these games – and I've seen more of Sunderland games than I would ever care to have to watch. But I watch these games, and it never fails. You, I've yet to watch a Sunderland game. I, I, you, know, you see stretches, you'll, especially in late in games, 80th minute on. Uh, they'll throw in some 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 creative guys, and then all of a sudden there's a spark, and they 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 show something. But generally speaking, Sunderland games are horrible. They're horrible to watch. 
They don't string passes together. There's not a ton of creativity. And and whether it's Josie Altaror, whether it's Fletcher, whether, whoever their forwards are, you don't see those guys getting a ton of chances. And if Josie Altaror was getting chances and squandering them, then, I, I, then I'd be like, you know what? Everyone can just crush the guy because he is wasting opportunities. But the opportunities just aren't coming. And, you know, what can you – Only the only thing you can do, the only thing Altaror can do is keep working hard in training to continue to earn playing time. And he's doing that. That much he's doing. And, and, and I know there's concern about if he doesn't score goals, if he's not, you know, if he's not scoring goals for the next couple of months and you're getting to Brazil, will he score goals in Brazil? And I'd say, you know what? The fact that he's going to join a U.S. team where there's some quality in midfield, there's some guys he knows, there's some guys who can help set him up, I think that can get him going. And I think that may, if anything, that that may camp those friendlies, those you know, you're talking about Nigeria, uh, and uh, the games leading up to leading up to the sendoff. That that's going to be really important for Josie Altador to get to get find that rhythm to get going because clearly it's not going to come from Sunderland. It's not. Um, but you know what can you do? You got a few. You got what two months to go? Sunderland Sunderland is in the thick of a relegation fight, and who knows? Maybe he could still be the hero. Maybe they get to the last match day. They need a goal to win. They need a goal to to stay up, and he and he finds the goal. Who knows? Oh, they, they're he's still like, like Clint Dempsey of old. Ooh, I'm just I, making. I like. That. I like that. I'm. I'm just making the point that there's still opportunities there. There's still time, and it would be a lot more concerning. It'd be a lot. It'd be a lot more of a reason to worry if he wasn't getting starts. And and I know there was that time, obviously with the League Cup final when he didn't dress, and then he and then the, he missed the game when he was uh, reportedly sick. So around that time, people were definitely like, "Whoa, he's not even dressing. He's not even." making it on the team now it's it's time to panic and 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 i totally would be down i I would i would agree with that but now he's made his way back he's fighting the fight he's getting himself on the field and at least from that standpoint it it gives you a reason it gives you something to be optimistic about uh josie outdoor and sunderland play on monday against west ham united there are three points behind crystal palace for the 17th spot in the english Premier League. Uh, as we said before, Ivis, uh, Aaron Johansson, Mr. PK. I mean, he's human after all. Can you believe it? Yeah, well, I tell you what. Well, he's missed two PKs now recently. Yes, sir, two PKs. Uh, and now he cost them uh, in the Dutch Cup loss to Ajax. Uh, it's, it, you know what? Hey, maybe he's still under pressure of uh, breaking Josie Altador's record. He's still, I think he's like six goals away still. So uh, if he falls short, he's going to look back at these PK misses and, and as his missed opportunity. But you know what? That aside, the guy's playing well. He's got these. They're still in in the Europa League, so that is going to be a great opportunity for him. Uh, Azed playing Benfica, tough opponent, a great platform for him uh, to showcase what he can do. So uh, you know what, Johansson. All Johansson has to keep doing is scoring goals, playing well, uh, play well, and put the pressure on on Jurgen Klinsmann to make him think about what he wants to do with his lineup. And again, that doesn't mean playing Johansson over Altidore because, as we've said a million times, Aaron Johansson doesn't really fit as a target player in this system. The question is, can you put him on the wing in a 4-3-3, or do you play him in a 4-4-2? I think the ship sailed on that. Klinsman just hates 4-4-2, uh, unless something changes dramatically in the next couple months. But Johansson just has to keep scoring the goals, play with confidence, and and he'll find some minutes. He'll find his way into the field. I've said it, since, I've said it for months now. My, like my scenario is opening game against Ghana. He's a guy you bring off the bench. 
and he gives you a spark. And then second game against Portugal, you stick him in the lineup. You really try to go at that Portuguese defense, which let's face it, Portugal's defense is not this world-beating defense. They, they, they can, you can score goals on the Portuguese defense. The question is, can you stop their attack? Can you stop Cristiano Ronaldo? That's going to be the big, uh, that's the scary part, right? But you know what, Johansson, for me, he's going to have a role to play at the World Cup. No doubt about it. He's playing with confidence. He's got the quality. He'll finish chances if they come to him. Mm-hmm. So he, he, for as much as people get on me and say, oh, how can you still say Altidore over Johansson? It's different. They're different kinds of players. I see Johansson playing a role, and he and if he keeps scoring these goals, Klinsman will find a way to get him on the field. Well, the World Cup is still a few months away, and a lot changes uh, in a few months. I was changing gears completely, switching it around. Uh, MLS Week 4 is this weekend. Toronto taking on Real Salt Lake. Michael Bradley versus Kyle Beckerman. This is an intriguing matchup. Uh, Toronto, as we've seen, running wild on teams with Gilberto and Jermaine Defoe up top. Real Salt Lake, I was dealing with a bunch of injuries right now. Man, I, I think Toronto FC, though, is going to look really good in this game against Real Salt Lake. What do you think? Well, yes. Obviously, RSL is missing some, some, some players. Jao Plata's injury cost them, obviously, in the LA game. But I tell you what, they still have that nucleus there. They still have their top guys. Saborio, Morales, Beckerman, Ramondo, Borchers, that spine of the team is still there. They have Luis Gill. I think I think this is going to be the toughest test that TFC has faced so far. I know TFC had to go to Seattle and get a win there, and that was impressive. But I think RSL is a bit of a different animal. They're they're more of a kind of a cohesive group. I think they're, you know, they're going to present a tougher challenge for Toronto. And I think I think they're gonna. I think I think it's gonna be a good game. I, I don't think TFC's gonna walk in there and just take three points. I mean, that's that's easier said than done. Uh, doing it at Rio Tinto, I, I like RSL. I like RSL to kind of you know stand firm, send a message, and and halt the TFC freight train. That's what I was thinking. I mean, RSL's more possession base is really kind of kind of slowed down Toronto FC, who's who's they, they don't attack with numbers. But you know, Jermaine Defoe last week, what we saw. Against uh, against DC in the week in the week before against Seattle, I mean they, they like to attack very quickly, but I mean I think we also like might be able to kind of deter that with their more possession base. It's going to be an interesting game to see how Toronto FC kind of reacts to a stronger midfield, maybe the strongest midfield that they're going to, that they faced all season. Right, that's that's where I think RSL is going to be able to do something that other teams haven't been able to do, which is keep the ball away from TFC and really kind of frustrate them. And look, I know Toronto, their midfield combo of Michael Bradley and, and, and Jonathan Osorio, uh, they've been off to a great start. You can't, there's, there's no denying that. So from that standpoint, it's going to be a good game, tough test. And, and obviously RSL would be a, a, a much better off if they had uh, the injured players that they have. But again, RSL has a ton of depth, a ton of depth. Garth Lagaway has put together a, a, a stacked team yet again. So I, I think they're, uh, I'm gonna go RSL. I think RSL is gonna. It's gonna be a good game. It probably be the be- It'll be, I think, the best game of the weekend. Uh, but you know what? When I uh, just to give you an idea, right now, look, TFC. There's no denying they're two and zero, two wins, good wins. They've shown some quality. Their star players have looked good. But the DC game was a little interesting, right? Because they, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they necessarily were just utterly unstoppable and dominant, and and just you know, did they really? destroy DC United, uh, right? I mean, well, it was a- I think they did, but they allowed DC to stay in the game by not scoring goals. So, I mean, imagine if Defoe put one or two more in. I mean, DC probably would have given up. I mean, by Toronto not scoring, it gave DC Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you TFC... Know, right, I don't confidence. think TFC... I don't think TFC is there yet. I think they, they, the quality's there. They're going to... at the You know, when it's all, when they put it all together, if, if Ryan Nelson can figure out the right... Press for the right buttons. They're they're going to be one of the top teams in the league, no doubt about it. They're number one in our power rankings in a, uh, on SBI. 
But I just think this RSL team is going to present them with a good challenge. And it's a, and, and and you know what? If TFC can go into RSL mm-hmm. and deal with that RSL midfield and come away with a road win, that will be as impressive a message as they've sent as anyone has sent yet this year. And that'll be the really really true first clear sign that the hype is the hype is not just hype; it's reality. They are one of the best teams in the league. Well, I think this will also be a good test for Toronto FC's back line. Justin Morrow, Daniel Henry, Stephen Caldwell, Mark Bloom, who we said going into the season, that might have been Toronto's biggest question mark because, look, we knew Defoe was going to be great. We knew Michael Bradley was going to be great. But that was the biggest thing for Toronto FC. Look, they're, they're going to have a tough task still going against Rialso Lake with Luis Gill out there, you know, uh, Kyle Beckerman, Avaro Sabarillo. So, look, it's, it's going to be a great game this weekend. Uh, moving on to another one, Seattle-Columbus, uh, Columbus crew I was, I, I'm still not. I, I thought they looked good last week against Philadelphia. I'm not totally convinced that they did dominated Philadelphia and really ran them out of the park. But look, they are playing. Greg Brohalter hasn't playing really great right now. Will Trap Ivis has been outstanding. Michael Parkers has looked great. Can Columbus defeat Seattle this weekend? I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know. I don't see. I think they too are going to get halted. I think. I think those two undefeated teams are going to. Uh, you know, face the first defeats of the season. I think Seattle uh, at home, they're obviously a different animal. You know, Clint Dempsey uh, missing the match, that's going to hurt them, no doubt about it. But I still think I still think they have enough quality there. And um, as much, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to have to go Seattle. I think Columbus, you know, going on the road now. Um, look, they won on the road in D.C., but again, D.C. is D.C. You can't really compare them to uh, Seattle in terms of mm-hmm. either quality of team or the atmosphere of the of the venue that they play in. I think Seattle will use that home field advantage. I think Obafemi Martins is going to be a handful. Uh, Lamar Nagel, I think, is going to be a handful. I think, yep. I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a good game. Good possession battle, good battle in the midfield. Will Trapp is definitely gonna, you know, have his chance to show, keep showing that he's one of the better young midfielders in the league. But for me, I have to go Seattle. Yeah, and I don't think that. I mean, for, first off, Will Trapp's kind of really kind of like the key to Columbus Crew to their success between the their attack and the defense. Because you know, Jairo Arrieta, Frederick Higuain, they're gonna look great. But I mean, Will Trapp really has been kind of like the the main piece uh, for Columbus. Also. For, for Seattle, I mean, being able to move Lamar Nagel into the more central of the field, I think that's going to be huge for them uh, this weekend. Dallas, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, the, the the matchup to watch is is Ozzy Alonso. See and see how Ozzy Alonso copes with Iguain when Iguain is in the middle, and and uh, how he copes with Will Trap. Because you know, if you're Siggy Schmidt and you know Will Trap is such a key part of, of the way that team of that crew team moves the ball around. Uh, and keeps possession. If Ozzy Alonso can neutralize Will Trap, that's going to make things a lot tougher for Columbus, just in terms of holding possession, keeping possession, and circulating the ball. Uh, this weekend, Dallas will be taking on the Portland Timbers. Uh, this is an interesting one, Ivis, because Portland, look, they, they struggled at the beginning of last year. They're struggling at this year. I, I think this is a great opportunity for Portland going against Dallas. This is an interesting stat. Darlington Nagby, Darlington Nagby excuse me, uh, scored four goals against FC Dallas last year. Dallas, once again, were relying on set-piece goals. Uh, Dallas struggled against Sporting Kansas City, which was a much better defense. Portland, I mean, look, they're a much better team. I, I think this is a great opportunity for Portland Ivis to kind of right the ship and, and get things going. Right. I think that Portland's going to get the job done, even though they're on the road. Uh, they've, they've had Dallas's number in the past, and as you mentioned, Darlington Nagby, Tends to have a field day against these guys. Uh, I think it's a good matchup for Portland. I think uh, their midfield is going to really frustrate 
and and neutralize Mauro Diaz. Mauro Diaz has been great. Mauro Diaz is, is off to an outstanding start to the mm-hmm. season, but I think this matchup is going to be the toughest one he's had to face so far. So look, if Mauro Diaz has a game against Portland, if he if he can shine against this Timbers team, especially this Timbers team that's desperate for a win, uh, then then he really have to uh, take FC Dallas seriously. I I still th- I think Dallas is a team to be taken seriously. I think they're going to be a good team, but I just think matchups wise, I think Portland's going to match up well, and I think they're going to get points on the road. Yeah, I mean Mauro Diaz is going to have a tough time going against Will Johnson, Diego Valeria, Diego Char right there in the midfield. I mean, it's no no offense to Chivas, you would say, but I mean Portland's midfield is, is a little bit stronger. Also, I guess FC Dallas. I mean, you look at their schedule coming up: Portland, Houston, Seattle, Toronto. I mean, these next four games, Ivis, we're, we're really going to tell what type of team FC Dallas is here. You know, it's funny because if you if you go back and listen to our shows a year ago, I said the same exact thing at almost a similar time in the season. Because if you remember FC Dallas, when they were crushing it at the beginning of the year in 2013, they, they got off to this amazing start. They were winning games, and every time we'd have a show, I'd, I'd come on and I'd kind of be like, I'm not sold. I, they need to play some better teams. A tough schedule is coming. And then obviously things the, the wheels fell off for them later in the year. Uh, this is another similar situation for them. They're going to face a really tough stretch here of games. Uh, having said that, I think this Dallas team is better than last year's Dallas team. And I think Oscar Perea has a better mm-hmm. coach than they had a year ago. I think he is someone who's going to do a better job of getting them ready for this stretch run. Uh, having said that, I think I think at least for this game, I think they're going to ha- have some issues dealing with this Portland team, and I think the Timbers win. Yeah, I'm, I'm not totally convinced on FC Dallas' defense right now, but look, their offense, Fevin Castillo, Javon Watson, Blas Perez, who I think has been looking pretty good. Dallas is an intriguing one. The next month, man, we're really going to see uh, what the deal is with them. Uh, Colorado, Sporting Kansas City, this is an intriguing matchup, Ivis. Colorado, I mean, I don't want to say that they impressed last week, and I don't think they impressed their opening week against New York Red Bulls. Sporting Kansas City, I mean, who's going to score for them, Ivis? I mean, is anyone going to score in this game? What's your, what's your take on this one? Nah, come on. They'll be all right. Um, you know, it, it's it's an interesting one. You want to see how Casey reacts after the disappointment, after, after getting knocked out of the Champions League. That's got to be a blow for them. Uh, you're talking about a team that's had such a busy schedule to start the season. They did not get a bye like some of the other teams, like LA Galaxy and San Jose Earthquakes, who, who were giving bye weeks to deal with the, the CONCACAF Champions League. So, you know, could they be tired coming into this match? Could they could they be a little drained? Uh, so from that, you know, I think that could absolutely happen. I think uh, Colorado, and look, Colorado, as much, you know, maybe you haven't been impressed by them, but I actually, I think they've shown some good things. I, you know, I was at the game in New York. And I, th- I thought they showed really well. I thought they so- showed some good things in Pablo Mastroeni's first game. Uh, and I tell you what, I, I think Colorado is is a team to deal with because Mastroeni. My question coming into the year, my question about Colorado coming into the year was: Would Pablo Mastroeni be able to either improve on or maintain the work that Oscar Pereira did? And I had serious questions. How could you not, given his lack of coaching experience? But just talking to the players in Colorado and having a chance to talk to Mastroeni, you really get the sense that this is a, a, a guy who could be who could be a really good coach. So perfect test for him. He's going up against another good coach and Peter Vermees. They're at home. I like Colorado to uh, take advantage of Casey maybe having a little bit of a Champions League hangover. I'm going to say Rapids. I'm going to go 2-1 Rapids. 
uh, another game this weekend, Ivis, that you will be at. New York Red Bulls taking on Chivas USA. New York's still looking for their first win on the season. I mean, look, when you when you look at New York's season, they, they really didn't look like they wanted to play against Vancouver. They played Colorado to score the straw. I thought they looked much better last week against Chicago Fire. But Ivis, on a scale of 1 to 10, if Chivas USA rolls into New York and defeats them, where, where, where do you put the panic? 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest. <laughs> Uh, if Chivas were to go into Red Bull Arena and get a win, I think that would raise some serious questions about the state of the Red Bulls. Again, it's still early. Even if that does happen, it's still early. But, you know, they they need a, perform- they need a good performance. They need to come out and show some quality, uh, put together a 90-minute match. And no, it's not enough to uh, put in a strong 20, 30 minutes to start the match or a strong 20, 30 minutes to end the match. They need a 90-minute performance, and they haven't really had that yet this year. So um, this is a perfect opponent. I think Chivas USA, as much as they've shown promise and uh, shown some quality early on, I, I, I still think the Red Bulls should be at home. They should be able to d- dictate the tempo in this game, dictate this game, and win this game. There is no excuse for them. They should be able to win this game. If they, they have all hands on deck, Terry Henry, Tim Cahill, Thompson Lavin, they're all going to be there. There is zero excuse for them. If they lose this game, then the questions about the questions that were there in the preseason that asked asked by many people, including myself, about the fact that they didn't add enough to their roster, they didn't strengthen the team, they rested on their laurels, on their supporter shield winning laurels a bit too much. Those questions are going to get louder and louder, and it's gonna it's gonna put more pressure on them. So. I think they're going to step up. I think the Red Bulls are going to come out and put together a good performance. They, they're they a good home team. They're a good home team, which is why I give Colorado credit for going in there and, and really you know standing toe-to-toe with the Red Bulls at home. I think the Red Bulls get the job done. I'm, not completely still, I'm still not completely sold on Chivas USA. Uh, some other games this weekend, New England Revolution, looking to get their midfield going. Probably not going to do again this weekend against San Jose Earthquakes, Ivis, are they? I don't know what's going on with New England, man. They, their, their, their attack is uh, missing right now. It's uh, MIA. They, uh, this just dynamic offense that they have is just struggling to get it going. And uh, San Jose, uh, it's not going to be an easy place to go there and 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 you know deal with their their defense. I'm not sure uh, if they're completely healthy. If San Jose's defense is completely healthy, but still. It, it, they're a tough t- team to deal with. I don't know if I think New England will get a goal. I think they'll finally, you know, find the net. But are they going to go to San Jose and win? I don't see it. I don't see them going all the way out there and win. We know the track record in MLS. East Coast teams go traveling to the West Coast and getting three points. It's kind of a, it's a pretty tough thing to do. So I think I'm going to have to go San Jose in this one. I think they, uh, I think if anything, for all the injuries they had, all the issues they've had, and, and the fact that it was definitely a uh, a bit of a gut punch the way they lost in penalties to to, to, to Luca. I think that performance, and I think the the way some of those reserves stepped up in that game, I think it's going to build a little momentum for them coming into the into this game, and I think they're going to take it to New England, and and I think San Jose is going to get a win. Uh, Chicago Fire taking on DC United. I think this is a great opportunity for DC United to kind of right the ship a little bit going against Chicago Fire that doesn't have the strongest defense and the strongest midfield. It's a good opportunity for DC United, Ivis. This was a, this is a coin toss. I got to tell you, um, you know the th- thing is DC's just not uh, the fact that they're at home hasn't really mattered much over the last few years for them. So uh, you know you can't say oh they're at home they're going to have that advantage. Uh, 
Chicago, they got McGee back now. That that obviously is a big help, but their defense is a little suspect. I think we're going to see goals in this one. I think I think Eddie Johnson will get on the scoreboard. I think McGee's going to get on the scoreboard. Uh, I'm going to go two two tie in this one. I'm, I think we're going to see some goals and some some wide open play, but I don't think either team is going to necessarily really take control of this one. Uh, in the final match of the weekend, Philadelphia Montreal. Ivis, you will be there. Uh, Montreal. I, I just I don't think they have any chance in this game. I think Philadelphia wins, and I think. My boy, Leo Fernandez scores. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, I think DeVaio is off suspension now, right? If he is off suspension. but so I mean, think Is that going to be that big of an impact for them in this? Well, hey, they, they – <laughs> really? That big of an impact, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know you said that. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest now. Montreal has created chances. There's no denying that. There's no doubt about that. Andrew Wenger – He's really, he's really missed an opportunity to rack up some goal totals mm-hmm. early on in these games. Now, if you're if, if Montreal is creating chances and now they get their finisher back, you have to give him a chance. You have to give him a chance. Having said that, Philly at home, they're a tough team to deal with. They're playing with confidence, and even though they lost to the Crew, I thought they played they they were even with the Crew. I think that you know obviously the difference in that match, Bernardo and Nor. Uh, you know, with his two goals, and then the second goal obviously was a thing of beauty. But that was a pretty even game. I mean, I, you know, obviously it finished two-one. Uh, but they, I don't think the Union came away from that game thinking, "Oh, we played badly." I think they came away with like, "All right, you know, they scored a great goal. We should, we we could have taken some chances better." So I think they're going to go to Phil, they're going to go to PPL Park on Saturday, and I think they're going to play with confidence. And I think they're going to. I see Philly putting up the type of emphatic victory. That really kind of builds some more confidence and momentum for them. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna put a, a good number up on Montreal. Uh, and those are all the games from the weekend. My crazy prediction is that Houston remains undefeated going into MLS Week Five. Uh, Ivis, I mean, as we wrap up today's show, did we cover everything before we head into the weekend? Do we? I don't think we talked about all the games. Did we talk about all the games? Yeah, we did talk about all the games. What, what, what game could we be missing from this weekend? What, what's the one you, the one you, the one you just, the one you just mentioned? Oh yeah, Houston game. Dynamo, uh, Houston Dynamo, Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> Ivis, yes. Thoughts on this game? Uh, hmm. Houston, Will Bruin, Houston spanks them ten to zero. That's what I say. Uh, what? What? Are you gonna play FIFA? Uh, no, I, I'm gonna go Will Bruin. Uh, Will Bruin scores a goal. Uh, Sebastian Fernandez scores a goal, uh, and then a winner from Giles Barnes on the road. Houston goes on the road, uh, emphatic victory two one Houston. Uh, realistically, though, Ivis, I mean, what what is up with the Vancouver Whitecaps? I mean, consistency issues again are, are plaguing them. I mean, what 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 what? I mean, what what is going on with them? What can they do? They've wasted already opportunities this season. Once against Chivas USA, they played to a scoreless draw last week. I mean. It's, it just seems that Vancouver, once again, has the same issues that they consistently have had year after year. Uh, well, no. Actually, in the past couple of years, they've actually started strongly and then fell apart at the end of the year. So it's kind of the opposite. That's, well, that's true. <laughs> no, but again, look. It, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Robinson, new coach. They got a lot of new faces. But the talent is there. There's no denying. They, the, the pieces that they've added, Fernandez, Morales, quality guys. Kakuta Mane is only going to get better. Uh, Darren Maddox, you'd like to think he's going to get rolling. Uh, and look, New England's not an easy place to play, right? You go to Gillette, they got the ugly turf there, which they're apparently going to fix now. They're going to put, the, they're going to upgrade the turf. It's not going to be the worst turf in the in the in the league anymore. Uh, New England's, a t- you know, with Gonzalez, New England, very tough defense. So you can kind of see how they would struggle there. Um, but this this game is going to be a really good chance for them. 
to show what they can do at home against a tough defense. Houston defense, very tough. Mm-hmm. It, this is a gut check game for them. This is a gut check game for, for Vancouver because, look, they played the Red Bulls. Red Bulls missing Hamas and Olave. And the Red Bulls defense without Hamas and Olave, I mean, uh, no offense to anybody, but it's like an NASL caliber defense without him uh, or at least one of the worst defense in the league. Nothing, no knock on NASL. Burn. Uh, Whatever, but you know, so that wasn't that wasn't a, the best necessarily uh, measure of how great they could be. Uh, and then you and then you talk about the second game, Chivas USA. The fact that they didn't just destroy Chivas USA uh, when Chivas USA played a man down. Uh, credit to Chivas USA, but the Whitecaps zero excuse for that. You got to put a team away, especially with the weapons that they have on this team. There's no excuse to not get three points against Chivas. Uh, and then you lay the egg, obviously, against New England. You get the road point at least. Uh, but this Houston game will be the toughest test they've had. And for me, I just think Dom Kinnear and and the Dynamo, having had a week off, a chance to recharge the batteries, they're going to go up to Vancouver, and I think they're going to make a statement and win that game. Well, Ivis, that is all the games this weekend. LA Galaxy on a bye. Uh, before we wrap up the show and head into this busy weekend, anything else we need to talk about? We need to talk about the party, uh, obviously. Oh, so, still, of course, I'll, I'll keep talking about the party. What, what do you <laughs> want to talk about? Well, I would just tell everybody the Crescent Ballroom. What time are we uh, telling people to come to the party? Well, the problem is we don't know if we're going to have to work Tuesday night. So, but you know, I, I'm telling we'll everyone to get there. I'm telling everyone to get there on like 9 p.m. A DJ sets up at 10. Uh, there's also a show going on there that night too. It's kind of like a music venue. Like we're hanging out in the lounge area, but the lounge area is huge. It's a huge outdoor bar patio. Uh, so if you want to see the show, you can see the show. If you want to hang out with Ivis and I, if you want to dance to the DJ, I mean, it's going to be a good time. Downtown Phoenix is awesome. I hope everyone, you come out, you enjoy it, and uh, and you enjoy our beautiful 75-degree weather. I know. It sounds disgusting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it sounds really good. I think it's going to be a great time. And, uh, you know, obviously, it, and again, it, it's a we call it a party, but it's going to be a good chance just to talk soccer and and meet up with readers and listeners and uh, mm-hmm. and people from around the country. That that for me, I got to say, one of the best parts for me uh, of of covering national team games is having the chance to meet people from all over the country, to meet fans from uh, national team fans from all different you know parts of the country. And and whether you know, it, it's great. I, you know, you get to see their side of things. You get to, you know wh- whatever club teams they might root for, whether they're folks from Texas or Washington, Tennessee, Louisiana, Minnesota, Carolina. I feel like every state is represented at most of these. It's going to be a little different, obviously, being out in Arizona, and you're going to have, obviously, some people who are saving their pennies for the World Cup, so maybe this isn't a trip everyone's going to make. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to to really having a chance to to hang out with some folks uh, from that part of the country. Highlights to look for in Phoenix. A lot of people wear beanies when it's like 80 degrees out, so uh, feel free to make fun of those people. And by a lot of people, he means him, he means himself. No, I don't. No, come on, please. There's a <laughs> I have, there's like a I've the, pictures of you with beanies, buddy. That's when it's like sixty degrees out, though. That's acceptable oh, wow. in Phoenix. Oh wow, sixty degrees. Sorry. <laughs> I, I wore actually I wore a hoodie last weekend because I was like, oh, you know, it's gonna get down to like you know sixty five degrees. I was like, I, I might as well just milk the milk this like you know cold weather for one more week. So. So basically, I should not bring a jacket to Arizona. Dude, it's gonna be so nice out. I mean, it, today it was like it was like seventy-seven degrees at like two o'clock today. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it maybe got down to seventy. If so, that. so I'm just gonna pack t-shirts, 
and that's it. I T-shirts. mean, I would bring you know a pair of jeans, you know, and like one one sweatshirt or something like that, you know, like a tracksuit, you know, sweatshirt. I, Why would I bring a sweatshirt for sixty degree weather, man? Are you I kidding? Well, t- I just lived through. I just lived through the worst winter okay. in, in to thirty me, years. To me, that's cold. So I would bring a sweatshirt. So if you're from like you know Texas or Florida, you you know what I'm talking about. It was like it was like forty degrees today, and I had a jacket on. So, for, God, how do you do? That sounds horrible. It's not. It's it's not. It's forty degrees is not that bad. I mean, Once you get I'm, under already, 40, I'm already working on my tan right now. That's what I'm working on. You can't tan. You're ginger. No, I'm serious. You'll wait, <laughs> you'll see it. You'll come out. See, the problem is, as I invite everyone to come out to Arizona in July when it's like one thirteen, th- I can handle that. I just can't handle forty degrees. That just sounds horrible. You know, what? I think we should have a Q and A. Just me and you. We ask each other questions. Let's go. Well, okay. What do you, What do you want to ask? Do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? You, you go first. We're gonna each give you ask each other two questions. Nothing too personal. Let's go. Uh, what? Uh, I can't think of anything right now. Since you brought come it up, on, you go first. Come on. No, you, got... you, you, no, you go first. Uh, all right, I go first. Let's see. Um, okay, what player other than Julian Green are you most looking forward to seeing play against Mexico? Brad Evans, because he's in Phoenix, Arizona. Seriously, no. Give me, give me a right. Give me <laughs> I'm serious. That was a serious one. Okay, okay, but not. Come on, just be just because he's from Phoenix, really? No, no, no. I'm not. Brad Evans is not, but he is from Phoenix. But I'm not being serious about that one. Um, Actually, that's a good. That's a good one because you know, I mean, he hasn't had. He hasn't played well in his recent national team game. Yeah, but the problem is he's injured, though. So, I mean, does he play in this game? Honestly, Landon Donovan, I want to see where he plays on the field. I want to see how he looks in this game. I'm really looking forward to see how Landon looks in this game. What about you? What player do you want to see? Um, I want to see, let's see, uh, other than Julian Green, right? Um, I'm going to go with Maurice Adu. I want to see how Maurice Adu is used. I don't think he's going to start in this game, but I think when he gets on the field, want to see how he does. Um, but I like your pick, Atlanta Donovan, and not just Donovan, but you want to see Donovan, Dempsey, and Zuzi, if, if, if that's the combo they go with. Uh, you know, it, funny enough, you know, we did. I did a poll on SBI last week asking people uh, what midfield combination, what attacking trio in a four-two-three-one would people want to see and uh, start at the World Cup. And and I predict, I predicted when I did my predicting the USA lineup piece for Gold.com last week, I predicted Fabian Johnson on the left, Clint Dempsey in the middle, Landon Donovan on the right. And again, this is what I'm predicting Klinsman will do. This is not my preference. This is what I think he will do. Uh, but the most popular combination among among SBI readers in the vote was Graham Zussi, Clint Dempsey, and Landon Donovan. Mm-hmm. And and we could see that combination in this game. And I absolutely would love to see how that group works together, how, how that trio works together. You could have Donovan and Zussi swapping sides, uh, a lot of interplay uh, between the, in that group. So for me, yeah, I, I would really like to see how that midfield plays. Uh, okay, i got to think of another question now. Well, um, you, didn't, you didn't you didn't think of one. I, you you just asked me mine. Like now I you have see. To, I can't think of any you, soccer questions. That's the thing. All right. Well, what do you? Well, what other questions do you want to ask me? Go ahead. I'll let you ask whatever you want. Uh, all right. Fine. What was the first CD you ever bought? Oh no, you're old. So what was the first CD. vinyl vinyl you ever bought? Vinyl. Uh, good question. The first <laughs> man. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna for the. I just like to point out. I was very young when I bought it. Uh, and it, I had to I had to use my grandmother's uh, record player to play it. Nice. But the but the first vinyl I ever bought was "Raising Hell" by Run DMC. Nice. There you go. Nice. And if I, I wish I still had that because that'd probably be worth a lot of money. Now. That probably would be worth a lot of money. Yes, sir. 
it's funny. Yeah, we've come a long way from buying vinyl to I yesterday I downloaded finally got around to downloading Schoolboy Q's album, and I love it. Those yeah, albums I, I have, awesome. It's I haven't great. stopped playing it. It's it's amazing, and it's funny because some people are like, "Oh, there's only like two really good songs on it." That's crap. There's two great great songs on it, like "Man of the Year," "Car Greens," great great songs. But the whole thing is good. I mean, there were only like two songs on that album that I kind of just deleted from the list, and the rest are all great. So I think you know, if you're a hip hop fan, I would recommend the Schoolboy Q album. Nice, it's so, pretty good. All right, let me see. I, I, I'm gonna get one more question for you, and then and then you'll give me one more, and then we'll wrap it up because okay. you know. I'm sure people are intrigued by this just completely out of the blue uh, segment of the show. So uh, my question for you is uh, if if I'm visiting from out of town, if I'm coming to Phoenix next week, uh, what one thing do I absolutely want to visit uh, other than the party? That is what, what, what landmark, more. what Phoenix landmark or you know, what touristy thing? Or what, you know, whether it's, you know, a restaurant or... or I would... Or, or... Okay, here's what I would do. I would hike Camelback Mountain. It's in the middle of Phoenix. It's... Only a... one thing, buddy. Only one. Don't come with a whole itinerary. No, no, no. I'm, one I'm, I'm, I'm letting everyone know. I would hike Camelback Mountain. It's it's a mountain that literally, from a distance, looks like a camel lay, like lay, lying down. I would hike it. It's awesome. It's 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 a little bit of a challenge. I mean, it's not a challenging hike. A lot of people do it every single day. But, I mean, don't go up there with jeans or anything. But go up there with some shorts t-shirt bottle of water go up there in the morning get up there like at 10 o'clock it's awesome it's in the middle of phoenix offers kick-ass views of the city phoenix is surrounded by just gorgeous gorgeous mountains so that that's that's what i would do probably okay that's i can't a, i can't say anything else so but but that, that's that, a good one that's a good one no yeah. you know and, and it, it is funny because i mean i've been there twice uh I've, I've been there for the the u.s team's last two games there and i'm always taken aback by the by the uh, <laughs> I don't want to just say the clean air, but the 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 sky is so blue, and the and the color of the mountains, like the colors, yeah. the colors in Phoenix are just so vivid. And and it sounds like if you go to Camac Mountain, you you get to see see that at its best. So that sounds pretty good. So yeah, it's, I, we, it's pretty cool. You can see like four doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but that sounds. You can see cool. four peaks, which is like that's like the closest you get to snow in Phoenix, which is like a hundred miles away. So like on a clear day, you can see snow. Then you can see like the Superstition Mountains, which are just gorgeous. Where like if anyone knows this legend of the Lost Dutchman's Mine, that's out there. So yeah, hike right. Camelback hey. Mountains. It's it's uh it's awesome. All right, I got to think that's of one more question for you. Um. Uh, uh, most of these questions, most of these questions are NC seventeen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can save those for when I'm out there. Yeah, these, these are questions where if anyone wants to know what I'm thinking in my head, come find me after I've had a few drinks and I'll ask Ivis these questions, and we we can walk over to Ivis together. And, well, that, well, that's one of the questions. things that I'd say for people who are thinking about coming to the party. I mean, let's face it: if you're in Phoenix on Monday, is it Monday? No, if you're in Phoenix on Tuesday, you have to come to the party. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I'd love to meet all anyone who's listening, anyone who's still listening to this part of the SBI show, if you're in Phoenix, there's no reason for you not to be at the party. Because if you're willing to sit through this entire show to this point, then you, I, I'm sure you will have to come to the party. So go ahead. I've, I've bought you enough time, Garrett. What's your question? Um, all right. What is your greatest soccer experience? And that could be at any level. I mean, that could have been like some high school championship game. I mean, something where at that moment of your life, it was just the coolest experience you've ever lived. Uh well, I mean I, I've told the story before, uh but for those who haven't haven't listened to it uh, or haven't heard it, um 
and it, it ties into my career as a writer. The 2002 World Cup final, um, you, uh, Brazil, Germany, Ronaldo scores uh, the goals to, to win the World Cup. Uh, and it, it not, not Ronaldo, not Real Madrid Ronaldo of now. We're talking about Brazilian Ronaldo, the, the, the great, great one, the great Ronaldo. Uh, so I had a chance in after the match to ask him uh, a question. It, I, it was the second question in the press conference. The first question was some kind of crappy question for, for some of, of course it was some crappy well, no, question. Well, I'll tell you what the question was the first question in the press conference was why did you score that goal with your toe was that an uh, was that an homage to Romario or something and then, you know okay that's fine but as a first question it was a little cheesy so I so then somehow I got picked out of the crowd I got to ask the second question and I asked I asked Ronaldo uh with everything you've been through with all the injuries the knee injuries and, and your career uh, and the ups and downs. How much? How much uh, does it mean to you to to get to this point after everything you've been through? And he st- and the guy and Ronaldo broke down. He started. He, he got emotional. He gave this great, amazing answer that ended up that everyone. Uh, we're talking everyone around the world used that answer in their stories about this game. So that for me was like that. That's still to this point is the highlight for me. Uh, of of my of my career. I mean, I've had quite a few. I mean, I've been to three World Cups, tons of great memories, but that one will stand out for me because, you know, hey, I'm this young writer from this tiny newspaper in New Jersey, and I get to ask the second question in the, in the World Cup final press conference and get Ronaldo to nearly cry and give a great answer. So it, it doesn't get much better than that. Dude, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, man. That was, uh, that was good. And, I, you know, I got to thank former LA Times writer Graham Jones, who gave me the mix zone pass to get into that press conference. And me being the young guy, I was waiting outside for like an hour, and Brazil took their sweet time partying after they win the World Cup final, as you would expect. So people just gave up on waiting for them. I got a pass. I got in there, and the rest is history, and it was a great moment. Nice, dude. All right. I, you got one more question for me before you wrap it up. So, do you think? Oh, I have to ask you one more question? Yeah, you got one more because I asked you three, so you got to ask me three. It has to be you, even you, here. You didn't ask me three, did you? Yes, I did. All right. I asked you CD greatest soccer experience and uh, don't I ask that's you two? two that's two exactly see there you go now yeah. I think we I think we've done enough I think people are falling asleep now so actually I actually I will tell you this I I took a Benadryl before I went to sleep last night here here's my dream I had a dream I walked into a bar and Arsene <laughs> Wenger was sitting at the bar and he had tickets to go to a WNBA match. And then I walked up to him like, "Hey, what's up?" And he's like, "And he's like, you want to talk to me?" And I'm like, "Yes, I want to talk to you." And then he explained his whole philosophy of like, you know, buying, you know, you know, young players and selling them for a lot of money. And I remember like in the dream, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like inside information that no one's gonna know." And then I woke up, but it was a weird dream. So memo, memo learned: don't take Benadryl before I go to sleep ever again. And by Benadryl, Garrett means mushrooms. <laughs> it was the weirdest dream. My buddy's an Arsenal fan. Like I called him as soon as I woke up. I'm like, you would never believe it. And like, why a WNBA game? That I cannot figure out. That that is the one piece of the puzzle I can't figure out. Yeah, I think I don't think we're gonna start the segment. Uh, we're, we're, I don't think we'll, this will be the first of the of a, a Garrett's dreams. That's gonna be the ne- the new segment on the show. Well, we've already a- broken down my my Walking Dead dreams. I do have those quite frequently after I watch Walking Dead you and should, I go to you bed. Right. You should bad. keep those to yourself. You should probably keep those to yourself. Please, I I guarantee I'm not the only person who watched that show that has like dreams of like slashing through zombies in an open field or anything like that. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. Please, if you if you're listening to the show at this point still and you have that, please 
put in the comments so I can prove to Ivis that he's wrong and that I'm right because, I mean, I'm always right and he's wrong. Uh, Ivis, that wraps <laughs> up the show, man. You have a good weekend. I will talk to you on uh, on Sunday night. You fly out on Monday. You'll uh, be covering my Divas FC game. So ex- expect everyone listening to the show full coverage of my co-ed team on SoccerByIvis.net and on this show next week, too. Uh, so, Ivis, have a good weekend, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Talk to you then. And uh, as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. The SBS Show will be back again on Monday morning. This is The SBS Show.